Yeah, introduce, introduce me as uh, el hijo pródigo de Big Soccer Titlán, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome everybody. We're starting okay. episode yeah. two of Los build, build me up, build me up. Let's, let's build up the hijo pródigo. got Ronnie here. He's uh, banned for life. Yellow carded, red carded, green carded even. Um, yeah. Um, I'm Albert. We got Christian here. We got Joel on mute. He's at work. So uh, three of us, three and a half with Juan. Uh, episode two, Los Cachibules, Dos a Cero podcast, Dos a Zero podcast, sorry. Uh, talking a little bit before uh, starting the broadcast about the new coach. But let's, let's, let's talk first, I guess, on the game from Saturday. I was able to go there. And I just want to quickly state this one little, little point. Uh, I initially went into that game thinking it would be like a 4-2, 4-1 like blowout by Mexico. And watching the game, I saw a lot of possession, just like the olden days. Recently, U.S. you know sort of stopped a little bit of that possession, but it was like 80% possession. It was it was a large possession for Mexico, a um, lot, lot of attacks. But they actually got in the middle a little bit more than they previously had. Um, but U.S. was still in there, so that was sort of surprising. But awesome, awesome win, awesome shot by Paolo Aguilar. Uh, what do you guys think of that of the of the game? Uh, I was surprised. I really, I really was. Um, I like the fact that, aside from the possession, I like the fact that they kept winning the balls, all the loose balls. Yeah. Uh, and that to me was key because, I mean, honestly, you know, sometimes the U, you know, when Mexico would play against the U.S., we were always, you know, you know, the U.S. would score on a fluke. Uh, and it's because sometimes we weren't able to maintain possession when you know when we were supposed to, uh, and I, I, I was actually like I said I was very very surprised. Uh, Mexico was very organized. Um, you know, last week I was talking about you know Mexico maybe playing the cat and mouse game. Nah, they took it to the U.S. and they took it. You know, they did very well. I was actually very surprised. One of the things that you know, um, one of the things that you guys talked about. Last week, like you just said, was what can we expect from Mexico going into this game? I mean, we all—I think we all have an idea. I think we all thought that, despite the the poor press that the team got during the Gold Cup, people kept talking about how the team didn't play all that well and this and that. I don't know if I necessarily agreed with that. I thought that there were overall more positives than negatives. But one of the things that, 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 I, that I mentioned last week, and I think John also uh, talked about it a little bit, was I expected a very, very high level of intensity. And the, the only way that we were going to stamp our authority in the game was by winning those secondary balls. Those secondary balls that we won literally the entire game is what made the difference. Now, the reason we won those secondary balls was – because of Jimenez and Chicharito and Oribe dropping back and pressuring, and also uh, because Guardado and, and Herrera did a really good job of, of sacrificing themselves. And, and, and Guardado and Rafa were always question marks going into the game, despite what the national team medical staff said, and they'd, what, they'd gone over there to Holland and to, and to Italy to help them with their recovery. I mean, even then, we knew that if they played, they weren't going to be at 100%. And, and that's, that's why they came off. And I think that was one of the risks that Ferretti ended up taking, 
starting both of them, and that's what dictated the subs. And people were talking about the tactics, and and I mean, even even myself when I was watching the game, I, I, as soon as I saw the first sub, I was like, "What the hell? What 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 are you doing?" And the more I thought about it, I was like, it made sense because we we the, the idea was obviously to win the game in regulation time with the help of Andres and Rafa. That didn't come to happen right away, so you have to make the subs. At the end of the day, they worked, so, you know, I'm very happy with, with what I saw. We competed. We won. We, I almost want to say we dominated. I don't think that throughout the entire 120 minutes, the USA dictated the pace of the game for more than combined maybe 12 or 15 minutes. They were always like five-minute spurts after they scored. They, they had like a second wind, and then that was pretty much it. Um, yeah, they didn't, overall, they didn't. It, was good. it was good. It was great. I, I'm, I'm really pleased with what I saw. How, how, yeah, I how, much, how much do you think the fact that Duca didn't really have – I'm not, I'm not going to say that you know there wasn't any pressure on Duca, but, I mean – he knows. He knew that he was going to have four games, and that's it. And to me, he seemed like he was very relaxed about you know his time there. And I, and, and it's funny because right now the U.S. coach is in the hot seat, and that's something that really hasn't happened a lot in the past you know twenty years because the U.S. soccer press, for the most part, they're just they're cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And. Uh, Dude, it's not a hot seat. It's a freaking lukewarm seat. He spilled his coffee on himself. <laughs> I, I think I think Tuka did have a hot seat, man. If he would have if he would have lost this, he would have yeah. failed, and then would have been you know gone anyway. But he right. still would have failed. I understand that, but going going into it, going into it, I mean, his demeanors, his press conferences, and stuff. He just he seemed like he was just very calm and collected. Yeah, I mean, he he, he was. He was fortunate. He got a good, a good win. Um, one thing that I noted when you guys were talking about the hustle and that Mexico and the, the winds off the ball that they got, uh, I remember seeing Chicharito lose the ball and he thought it was a foul and he just, you know, bared his head down and ran back to try to get possession again. That's something that you'll never see. And I talked with some U.S. fans. You'll never see from Dempsey or Josie, and they'll they'll straight out say Josie is like the laziest player on their team. She and they'll, is. they'll never go back. Dempsey, Dempsey's done either. I mean, as well, he's he just doesn't run back. He well, he relies no. on his technical skill, and it doesn't work out. He's done. He gives up. One of the things that I mentioned last week was was uh, was matchups and the way that we match up with the U.S. On the other side of the coin, Dempsey and Altador don't match up well with Mexico. I mean, honestly, Altador scored in his debut against Mexico in 2008 in a friendly. That was it. He has never, ever scored against Mexico. He's never really been much of a threat. And same thing goes for Dempsey. Dempsey's best game versus Mexico was literally almost eight years ago, that same friendly. Coincidentally, he scored a goal in that friendly that was called back. It was a pretty nice goal, too. He danced right between Osorio and Salcido and, and kind of curled the ball around Memo. And for some reason, it got called back. I think there was an offside pl prior to the play. But... Uh, if you guys can think of any U.S.-Mexico game over the last six, seven years that involves those two players, Dempsey and Altador, and tell me that they've been dangerous versus Mexico, I, I don't. I don't personally don't. 
I personally no. hey, isn't that you know. about I'm sorry, isn't that about the time they've been in MLS? I know uh Dempsey was in Fulham, uh, he was playing in England and uh I think uh any any coach in England in the in the Premier League that would have saw that lack of effort from him would have sat his ass on the bench and he would have not seen the pitch uh seen, sorry, seen the pitch for the rest of the freaking you know <laughs> Can he play Costa Rica? Yeah, right. Well, well you know, the, the guys that you know usually were the most, you know, dangerous was uh was Bradley and honestly he he stunk it up. I mean he was he was pretty bad. I agree. He he's had one dangerous opportunity and then that was that was pretty much it. But if you look at the way that he's been rated I'm by sorry. the American media, it's like he's got like four starts, like supposedly he was like all over the I saw him lose the ball a few times. I saw him lose a bunch of challenges to Guardado. Guardado sneaking up behind him, stick, just taking the ball from him. Even Herrera, too. It's like, I just don't really see him. I don't think he had a very good game. I don't know what, what, what they saw in particular, but I don't think he had a good game at all. Is that Bradley you're talking about? I think Mexican. Well, yeah, Bradley. I mean, obviously he had the assist. He had a very good assist. He had, a, he had another play, obviously you guys are talking about, where he kind of, in the first half, he, he found a little bit of space, and then he got greedy and took a shot instead of, like, passing the ball wide. Uh, but other than that, I mean, he, I don't really, I don't think of, I can't remember any other moments he had that were like well, shining one, moments. One time he took the ball towards the left, and and there was some space, and he attracted the players, and then he hit it with his left foot to the right side, which uh, caught uh, caught Gordito off off balance a little bit, but it went far wide, far right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right, that's right, that's right. You know what? Defending wise, uh, Bradley kept the freaking scoreline respectable, in my opinion. From what I saw, like almost like a lot of the tags that they that uh, ended up fizzling out is because he was just there. Uh, you know, he was he was tracking back, he was blocking the freaking lanes, or or just anticipating the play before these guys could, uh, you know, develop it. And so, I just think he was just trying to do too much for one guy. But I thought defending wise, he was he kept the scoreline respectable. They could have lost by a lot more. If he, yeah, I think the Mexican defense compressed real well, too, like the midfield. They marked him. They compressed on him like double, you know, with two or three people to either make him give up the ball or or lose it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Bradley was shut down that, you know, he couldn't connect with the overlapping runs from the fullbacks. I mean, he, I mean, he did defend, I guess, well, like you said, but as far as you know, joining in the offense and and, and and doing those transitional plays, that's that's where what surprised me the most was how ineffective he was, you know, starting starting the uh, the attack because it was really just non-existent, you know. Um, I I uh, I guess the one player, I guess to me the only player that really stood out was the goalkeeper. <laughs> So I mean he he had a yeah he had a he had a pretty good game. Guzan yeah he had a he had a decent game. I mean uh, I feel like 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 we you know when you mention the goalkeeper having a good game then I think that says a lot about the field players. Yeah. Um, I mean in my opinion and I and I and I took a few notes when I was watching the game and and, and I watched it again obviously uh, you know after you know with a cooler head and and to me. The most the most important duels were actually uh, 
Moreno did a very good job versus Dempsey. Um, he had some. He had a couple mishaps, especially with the goal that uh, he doesn't track the the run of wood behind him. But but most importantly, uh, Diego Reyes uh, won. I think, and and, I, and and this is this is not an exact stat, but he won seventy eight percent of the duels he had with Jermaine Jones. When Jermaine Jones started pinching in and trying to join the attack, it was always Reyes who stepped up to challenge him with obviously the help of, of whatever midfielder was near him. But Reyes won most of those duels. And, and, and a few times the U.S. squeezed through and tried to get – it was always very sloppy and almost very rushed. And, and to me that sort of exemplifies the kind of level that they have right now. And I don't think it's just right now. This has been – the kind of the way that they've been playing for the last two or three years, and and I said it last summer during the, the World Cup, they were out they were outplayed by every team they played in the World Cup, with the exception of only maybe twenty five minutes versus Portugal. I mean, other than that, I cannot, you know, like competitive games. I, I don't. I mean, what what ends up happening is water finds its level, and the U.S. have been found out in that sense. They don't have – the team is not as good as, as the fans think it is. And, I, and obviously I think the same can be said about Mexico. I don't think the team is as good as we sometimes think it is, especially right now. We're, we're, we're sort of on a high right now because of victory. But, but we have elements that can sort of hide those deficiencies. They don't. I mean, it, when you talk about players like Yedlin and the kind of impact that he had – um, you talk about pace and the way that he finds space and just runs onto the ball. Like we're not talking about any actual plays that are being constructed that are going to lead to any chances or have chances. And, and saying that, I think the most important aspect of this game for Mexico that has to be talked about is the fact that for most of the game, every offensive play was almost most of them were finished. It ended with a shot, with a cross. With some sort of offensive, there was always an execution to the play, which is something that we sometimes complain about when it comes to Mexico because they, they, they knock the ball around and find a space, and then, you know, it's a bad pass or a bad execution here, and then or the pass is too far behind Chicharito, or it's too, you know, whatever. The, the plays were finished. They, there were shots on goal. We ended up with something like 24 shots, and 15 or 16 were shots on goal. That's... I think that's something very important. We have to highlight that because I think it's going to play a big part in the next coach's plan because you talked yeah. about that. And I'm not going to get ahead of myself here because we're going to talk about that later, but you did talk about that in a press conference, but I thought it was very important. I think it's that's one of the things, aside from the intensity and the fact that we won nearly every secondary ball, the fact that we finished nearly every single offensive play is something that has to be praised and has to be talked about, and, and I think it's a good good thing that we can build from. They're precise, too, with their passing in, in, in previous games. And it's sort of like an on-off. Like, you can be precise one day and then pretty bad the next. They were on with all their passing. There weren't any... Because a lot of times in Mexican games, I'll see like them pass it like out of, out of bounds or, or totally off mark and, and things like that. And I'll be like, what the heck is that? And, but this time, all their passes were on. Uh, and they were even passing to, like, Guardado and Herrera right in the middle, like right above the... A, a semicircle. And I was like, what, what's going on? The U.S. is letting them do that? 
but yeah, I mean, I agree. Like you were saying, they're finishing, they're getting opportunities. It was, it was sort of surprising. And you know who stinks? Who was stinking it up out there? Beasley. I don't know what that guy's doing on the field. Hey, uh, I, I want to make a comment about the U.S. Uh, you know, this, this this national team that they have right now, this is uh, every spasm. <clears throat> How many years have we been hearing and reading that they want their biggest, their strongest, and their fastest on the freaking field, and then they'll be a world-class work, work, work level? And that owns uh, that guy can uh, you know all, the, all these guys uh, Altidor Yedlin these guys are all they're they're fast they're strong you know they're well uh, they're well built physically but you know they got no freaking skill so yeah I think I think, a, I think we were talking earlier they're, they're lazy though. we were talking earlier I'd be a lot scared more scared of Yedlin that Zardas guy get Dempsey out get Altidor out put in that guy Wood put in uh, that blonde haired dude that looks like I forget his name. Even Johansson or somebody. Like oh, all these young guys. Yeah, Johansson, yeah. Well, not Johansson, but there's that other dude that's a blonde hair. Um, he played He played during the Costa Rica game. Those guys are fast. Maybe not like strong like Altidore, but those guys have speed. And I'm more scared of those than Altidore. You know, I'd be scared, buddy. Right now, right now, the U.S., the program has to think, start thinking because... Granted, you know they've been beating you know Mexican friendlies, and you know they can you know they can chant the the two you know those said all they want, but I mean, what what what's the statistic? What five five games or like in championship games in Concacaf? We've only lost one Gold Cup final to the U.S., and that was like in the nineties. Well, 2007. The one, 2007 with Hugo. That's true. That's true. I forgot about that. You know, but I mean, but it, but it's. I mean, the, the 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 thing is clearly one-sided. And what we're you know going back to is, the U.S. has basically. Their program is designed to play for the result. They're not. They're, it's not designed to play to to create or to hold. At the possession. senior level. And at I, the senior level. At this. At the senior. Well, no. The entire. The, the entire. You know. System. I mean, they're, well, they're, I mean, one, in fact, uh, what, what, a couple couple months back, uh, the, the the American Youth uh, Association, they they were talking about they were talking about uh, how basically you know coaches at the youth at the youth levels, they're teaching their their, their kids to play for the result, which oh. in the in the long run it's detrimental because you're basically teaching kids okay maybe you're, you're scoring off a set piece or you're scoring off an, a counter attack, or, or or you're you know you're you're basically Putting your, your your players in in a high percentage, uh, you know, per, you know they're they're playing the percentages, which you know it sounds logical, but in the end, you're not you're not you're not teaching these kids how to create, and you know going back to to uh, what you know was said earlier that you know you know since since you know going back two years a year ago the U.S. they've been playing pretty bad, and. I mean, honestly, you can play the cat and mouse, you know, for a while, but sooner or later, it's going to bite you, and it's, it's starting to bite the U.S. I mean, hey, at least. I, I that... don't want. Hello. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish, finish your no, thought, Ronnie. No, sorry. No, I no, want to no, say something. No, 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 finish. Finish. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to. I don't want to go on a tangent too much, but at the youth level, the the U.S. soccer, they're they're trying. Uh, when when Reina was the. Uh, what was it called? The 
the technical, the U.S. Soccer Development Academy technical director. Yeah. He, he put out a document where he said, uh, I think it was written by Quiroz. It's based off uh, the Spanish uh, doctor. Oh, the 10-year plan? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. That, that was the Quiroz plan. This is something else. Some Spanish doctor. Uh, I don't recall his name. But anyways, in the document, they say, okay, we, we need to do, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Position-specific position uh, tr you know, training. Oh, functional, functional training where you train your, the technical skills you practice are based on the position you play. Uh, they want it uh, basically in the document he details. We want the the U.S. Soccer Academy teams playing four three three and but it, it's it's a document. It's like it's uh there's no there's no power behind it because it, like that's only ten percent of their of their youth players that they see at the soccer academy and you really don't know if. It's their best ten percent because it's still a pay-to-play system. The the parents gotta pay for their travel, the fees they gotta buy the uniform. So that's still, you know, if you're traveling from LA to freaking to to play a team in, in New York twice a year, that's you know, and, and you're going all over the country. Heavy expense, not not every not the best players will will have the the you know the economics to basically the money to pay for that. And uh, and I think it's just there's their their pay to play system is really what's biting them. Yeah, the I mean, ass. there's no doubt. There's no doubt that a lot of kids are not being scouted because of uh, because they don't have the financial means to uh, to to participate. But you know, yeah. but e even so, even so, the U.S. still has one of the highest, if not the highest, uh, registered player pools in the in the, in the world. So we have the highest. So even even if even if we're we're using that number that they still have the highest player pool in in the in in, in the world. It's still the system that the, that they that they use throughout is where they're basically teaching the kids how to play for the result, which I think in the long run is detrimental because you're not teaching the kids, you know, how to be instinctive. They're they're not you know they're not being you know creative. They're not you know being you know they're not they're not curious enough to know. To, to basically deviate from the from 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 you know the game plan, you know how to break you know one on ones, how to how to you know how to how to attack, and I, I think you know that is the problem with the entire U.S. program. Breakdown organized defense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you can you can be organized. To a certain degree, but there comes a point where oh, break down, the, down the talent, the talent, is what's going to determine, you know, you, you know, a team or a program lifting titles. I, I mean, at least at, at the senior level. Well, we can go on a tangent here, like uh, talking about what's wrong with the U.S. program. I think there's a lot more than many more that I don't think we even have time for an hour to talk about. We can start with the MLS calendar, but anyways. Um, seriously, uh, there's, you know there's like a Fernando, I'm sorry. I think their team, their national team, got worse once their league started because now their players, instead of playing in you know you know stronger leagues, they're now playing it at the MLS level. Definitely, you're, you're right. The MLS definitely hurt them. Yeah. Yeah, that that sort of plays into the whole delusion. Um, the self-delusion that, that, that MLS is somehow 
this very high quality quality league, which it's not. It's really not. And and of course it was going to hurt their national team players to play in environments that that, that are not competitive. They're not. There's no there's no expectation for results. If a team doesn't make the playoffs, then there's always next year. You know, if a team performs badly, there's always next year. I mean, at least in Mexico, in contrast, if you don't play well, you are going to be relegated at some point. I mean, right now, obviously, we all know about Chivas and the trouble they're going through. The Which last I'm, couple, and they're playing well now. Say what? They're playing well now. Those are fighting words, man. <laughs> no, no, of course. Yeah. Got well, if the season was described in one game, yeah, I guess. Well, no, I mean, there is there is still the, the shadow of relegation that hangs on the team, and it probably will remain that at least through the next tournament. But they don't, they don't, the, the Americans don't have sort of that cutthroat experience for their players, and you can't expect players that are playing in sort of a weird calendar year to be ready to play these kind of cutthroat games. I mean, it's all, like, you, the body language is obviously disappointing for them. I mean, you can tell the players were disappointed. I don't think they lacked effort. I don't think they lacked heart during this game. They were just they were just beaten by a better team. And this is something we talked about last week. We wanted to see Mexico come out there full throttle and stamp themselves onto the game. And they did that not only just do that they did it for they maintained it for the entire game with the exception of a few a few lulls here and there especially when the US scored like I said earlier which I think is natural I mean I don't know aside from Barcelona you rarely see teams that and obviously Bayern Munich you rarely see teams that just dominate the rival for the entire 90 minutes especially in international soccer you don't see that because international soccer is a little more compact and you don't have the spaces. I mean, one of the things that to me is interesting is you look at uh, Jesus Corona, like Tecatito, like he, it took him a couple of games this summer to find his rhythm with the national team. He didn't just start playing really well right away. I mean, the preparation games before Copa America, he was out there, he's making the plays, but his timing wasn't right. He didn't get the rhythm of the game. And even then, Against the U.S., he didn't quite find his rhythm. No, he didn't. You know what I mean? He didn't was, quite find his rhythm. I thought the Catito had a better tournament on Copa America than actually the Gold Cup in this last match. Yeah, I think he's probably getting burned down. Who knows? I don't. I don't know if he's burned down. I mean, he's the only guy to play in both tournaments, and obviously that was obviously designed because he's one of the youngest players, and you know he's got to have very very clean lungs, and he's probably eager to prove himself. And honestly, and, and, and I'm going to deviate again very quickly, I still don't think Osorio is going to use him as a starter right away. Um, he's been a sub. For a couple, he for was a, a sub in Copa America and he was a sub in Gold Cup. Exactly. And he was also a sub in this game. I think that some people, and, and I would have liked to see him, what part of me would have liked to see him start, but I knew he wasn't going to because I knew he wasn't going to give the kind of effort that we saw from, from Oribe or Jimenez, and especially not from Chicharito. So it made sense. And, 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 and to that to that point, if you look at the goal, the U.S. scored the 2-2, um, when Yedlin gets the ball on the right side, Tecatito is literally jogging behind him. And then once Yedlin picks up the pace and starts dri- he sees the space in front of him and starts dribbling, 
La Yoon, you can see La Yoon waving at Tecatito to come in and close him down, and he doesn't really do it because it's not his game. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock him for it. It's just really not his game. He doesn't have that uh, quote unquote disgusting. But but you know, I think that like you saw from Jimenez, Jimenez, unfortunately for him in the first half, he's the one who commits the foul on Beasley that leads to the free kick goal. Look how far back Jimenez tracked back to make that play. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I don't know if, if, if Tecatito is going to be doing that at any point in his career. You know, like, uh, you can even compare him to Vela. Vela doesn't really do that. And, I mean, we kind of saw it a little bit with, with the Panama game. Uh, the, the, the intensity from forwards to close down the opposing center backs and defenders wasn't quite there, obviously for a lot of reasons. You know, I mean, it, it was pretty much the epitome of a Molero, but you, I mean, I wanted to see a little bit from Vela. I'll just say that we're not going to get into that right now. The, the tactical design from Ferretti was was absolutely perfect. It was absolutely perfect. I mean, we, I mean, you look at a four three three, and you don't think that Jimenez wide and Oribe wide is going to work. I mean, it just doesn't seem like they're the kind of players that are going to fulfill those kind of roles. Uh, in an efficient manner, but they did. They really, really did. And, and, and it's hard to say if it's because of the opponent or the the, the the components of the game, given you know that it was a one-off game and we had to win it and everybody was pumped up about it. I don't know if, if Osorio trots that lineup against El Salvador, if it'll be as, as efficient. Obviously, understand that El Salvador is not at the level of the U.S., regardless of how bad they are right now. I don't know if it's going to work again in that sense. I just... I'm just very happy to see that level of intensity from the entire team because we talked about it last week. There was a lot of talk off the field, mostly from the U.S., the fans, the media, the players, which I don't understand why they thought it was a good idea to go out there and, and really hang themselves up to be exposed the way they were because I, I, I saw it as it, it was going to happen. You don't get to talk that much smack and now back it up on the field. And we did that. We went out there, and we did that. We talked on the field for the yeah, entire no. game. Yeah, tú que said that no vamos a usiconear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing, though, uh, I mean, I know um, it's been said that Mexico dominated this game, and we went into extra time. It could have very easily been a typical U.S.-Mexico game where Mexico dominates possession and all the U.S. needed was one more goal. Yeah. Uh, and it could have easily gone the other way, which well, is sort of surprising. But uh, Well, you know, he, what was it, two, two clear penalties? That, uh, that they oh, yeah. Call, but yeah. honestly, I didn't want Mexico to win like that. Because, no. of, yeah, because <laughs> of, you know, what happened you know, in the Gold Cup. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I mean, I'm glad I'm glad Mexico won the right way. You know, they they won playing good football. They they won, they won, you know, scoring good goals. Yeah, it's the luck of the Rose Bowl, man. I was I was thinking that I was thinking Gio did his work last time. Now somebody else has to do it this time, and it worked out worked out with Paul. Yeah. And one other thing on uh, on Tecatito, I think I think he um I think like. Fernando was saying he did do better in Copa America. In this game, I think he was doing well against Fabian Johnson. 
Um, but then, and it wasn't really to credit the other guy, I forget, Brad Evans, I think he was the one who came in. Um, but he sort of, you know, just fumbled the ball a little bit. Uh, not necessarily because of Brad Evans, but he just, you know, was too anxious and, uh, and made Brad Evans look a little bit good. Um, so he didn't really look, Pagatito didn't really play real well as, as well as he should have. But I know he did get one cross in, um, but he didn't really have too many opportunities. So I think there's, you know, a bright future for him still. Well, he had a nice shot in, actually, at Tecatito. So, but, yeah, I thought, I was a little disappointed by his performance, but what I thought was amazing was just how, you know, Tuca already knew that this game was going to be, you know, there's va a haber golpes y madrazos, and that's that's what he put in Guemes. I, that, we already knew. If he would have put him as a starter, he would have probably, by the way, how many yellow cards we had at the beginning of the match, he would have probably gotten a double booked for sure. So I thought that timing of that sub was perfect. I um, love Guemes. Guemes was awesome. I love the way he his stance and everything, the way he just hustles and yeah. concentration during the whole game. Yeah, some people say, oh, the subs were horrible. No, they were not. Those subs were, they were perfectly timed, especially like that. I think the best one was that Guemes sub. That, that was just the way como metió la patadura. And right away, the like in the first two minutes, you already had two fouls. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I do think though the Rivas, the Rivas sub was sort of surprising, and I think he was sort of like part of the cause of that one, uh, that one Bobby Wood goal, because he didn't oh, want yeah. to, he didn't, he didn't come out the way he should have. He thought he was scared of the runner of, uh, of that one dude running on the wing, um, and it, he just sort of left him out too much. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't commit. He didn't commit to the tackle. But uh, to, to the to the point that Fernando was making, Guemes came on, and I think he had a yellow card within the first ten minutes that he was on. Um, and once he kind of found his rhythm and settled, he grew into the game a lot. And I think that that gave him confidence. And I think that confidence showed in yesterday's game versus Panama, where I thought he was he was by far the best midfielder, even. You know, with 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 Jonah being there, and, and obviously, you know, when Hector Herrera came in in the second half, Guemes was there. He was cleaning up and he was dishing it out, and he was he. I mean, you need. We talked about it again. We talked about intensity last week, and with Rafa Marquez starting, what what ended up what I see what I saw that happen was he started as obviously as the only central midfielder and a four three three. But as the game wore on, he kept he kept reverting back to that to that sort of libero. He kept dropping back as a center back, and, and that kind of forced Guardado and Herrera to start pinching in. And those were the moments where the U.S. started getting the ball a little bit more. So obviously Rafa had to come out at some point. And, and, and when he came out, who else are you going to put in? It was either going to be Guemes or Jonathan. And given the circumstances of the game, Guemes was the right call. I mean, if we're honest, Guemes was the right call. You need someone in there to, you know, to start dishing it out. And and because and the thing is, Jones started pinching in, and Jones is a very – I mean, gamesmanship, when people talk about the U.S. being a clean team and being Boy Scouts, it's been – I don't I – don't, it's just – it's laughable because Jones is a guy that – a guy who's like 6'3 and like 200 pounds – 
but he goes down easily and he rolls around and he and he's grimacing at the ref and it's just kind of it's laughable. And Grimace goes in there and just takes him out. Dude, Grimace is like five eight, five nine. Takes him out, looks at him, he stares him down. Get up, dude. Get up and play off. You're you're uh, so much. You know what I mean? It's like that's so what I you know. Mean. I took a picture. <laughs> oh, okay. oh. What's that thing? It's well, not. Obviously, Dempsey and Altador are the same way. For like, Altador is Altador is he's built like a. I mean, he could. I mean, the guy's the guy's huge, man. Like, the way he goes down, I mean, it's just like, dude, come on, man, get up, you know. But ultimately, Guemes, when Ferretti started with, with, with Guardado and Rafa, we sort of should have known that at some point they were going to have to come off. So I, I think that the gamble was really to, to try to win the game before those two guys had to come off. So then whatever subs you made could hold down a score and we could just simply just run on the clock and win the game. That obviously didn't happen, which is not really that surprising. However, the, you know, Rivas... I don't really think Rivas has much of a future with a national team. And if you think about it, this is the second time in a cup final versus the U.S. where we make a debut for a center back. In 2011, it was none other than Hector Reynoso, who comes on to shut, shut it down for the last 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And he was there. He cleaned it up and... You know, he dished it out a little bit, and now it's, it was Rivas' turn, and he came on, and he was decent. I agree with you, though. He kind of he fumbled a little bit on that on that second goal. He didn't know when to come out. He kind of stutter-stepped, and then, boom. You know, just they scored, and it was, you know, of course that was going to happen. I mean, uh, it's not a U.S.-Mexico game with, without them getting a goal against the run of play. You know, I, I think you'll, you'll keep having those type of uh, players on the roster as long as the FMF sticks to their – we got to follow the process uh, by the letter uh, with the players, you know, where if you have a talented uh, youngster that's ready to make the jump, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to, how do you say, speed up his his, uh, his process because they want him to go through the whole, whole program. I don't know if that if that's the right idea, if that's the right way to go about it, but that's that seems to be their approach uh, thus far. And, and they've talked about it uh, several times uh, uh, regarding that. But I want I wanted to make a comment too. When Guemes came in, what I noticed was, uh, you know, HH's role it changed, and it just seemed like, like the the attack, Mexico's attack, it flowed a little more. It's like because uh, he had more room to operate, and he wasn't, you know, where other kind of, kind of they weren't tripping into each other's, you know. Yeah, I noticed that a little bit. Uh, so, I guess to transition a little bit, um, it was a good game. I think I think. The confidence in the national team grew, but shouldn't grow too much. I think because it could have gone, you know, U.S. could have scored and had some, you know, had a few chances. But uh, so for this next uh, this next cycle, Sordio, what do you guys think of uh, those of you who saw the uh, press conference? What do you guys think of him coming on? His comments that he made. I like it. I didn't, wa I didn't watch. I didn't watch the entire. Like I said, I didn't watch the entire uh, press conference. So I just read bits and pieces. Um, I, everything that I read seemed cliched. You know, just you know. So it's not like I, I any. I mean, I, I I intend to see the entire press conference. You know, sometime tonight or maybe tomorrow. But everything that I read, you know, typical. You know, a couple of things I saw. Yeah, well, a couple of things I saw was that 
Rafa is still going to be considered. And naturalizados are, are going to be, you know, everyone's welcome. <laughs> well, <laughs> Those are the two things that I caught. Well, yeah, he's probably going to go after Benedetto, you know. He's probably going to go Which after Benedetto. It's not a bad idea, I don't think. Think about it. Benedetto's 24 years old, one of the better forwards in the league. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's starting material, obviously, but I don't think that having players like him on the bench is a bad idea. I mean, well, well the, thing with, the thing with Benedetto, he's actually, you know, like there's like off the top of my head, I mean, foreigners that went to, you know, that, you know, that went to America that were able to produce basically almost like since day one or the first season. I mean, Bam Bam Samorano, Piojo Lopez, uh, Chucho Benitez. Yep. Benedetto. Pino Cuevas. You know, <laughs> Pino Cuevas. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about him. Uh, but you know Benedetto from basically from the first season he he's been able to produce I mean he's been producing so I, I have a feeling that Osorio may call him up. He wants to come on too, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does. But he, but he has to wait, doesn't he? Because he, the, the, yeah, he does. He has to wait. He, I know he's going to have to wait. I I forget. I that was, that was one of the trade-offs that, if I'm not mistaken, that they would lower the the waiting time for for Mexican citizenship, but it didn't really necessarily qualify these players right away for the national team. Yeah. I think they have True. to wait. So I think he has to wait another two years, which still puts him at a very decent age to be part of the pool. Uh, you know, in, in two years' time, I don't know if, if I would necessarily pick him over a guy like Marco Bueno. I, I really like what I've seen of him with the Olympic team. And I know we're going to get into that later, but... I think the ultimate goal is to have as many players that you can call upon from the bench that are going to be impact players. And, and Benedetto could be one of those. He could be one of those. I, I like him. His skill set, I like it a lot better than, than Vuoso or even guys like Carlos Ochoa, for example. I, I think that he could potentially contribute something to the national team. Yeah. Well, I don't think we have anything. Uh, I don't think that uh, Benedetto is better than any of our current crop, so I don't think I he's agree. necessary. I agree with that. You know, I don't think, yeah, yeah I don't think he's necessary for him to be called up. We have more than enough to cover his position. Yeah, I don't know if he'd get any playing time. They they probably will call him up. I I notice, uh, you know, the 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 player pool is gonna get a little crowded because uh, Osorio he made one comment. He made a. Uh, I, I I didn't see the whole press conference like uh, Ronnie said. Uh, there's one comment he 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 made that I read where he mentions, hey, there's a couple players that that are interesting in the in the youth in the youth pool that we're gonna take a look at and we wanna we might be calling up. And one of them was uh, Chucky Lozano. I, I guess we're gonna get into that later. But just you know, based on Osorio's comment, like where he's gonna, you know, there's some players that that deserve to be they they need to be bled in already. Already, I guess. I don't know. if if that's the right approach, but that's what he's gonna do, uh, well, the, based on his statements, plans to do. The, the comment that you guys made earlier about him in his press conference saying that you know he wants to take the pool to like 50 and, and start scouting and stuff. Honestly, I think that's the wrong approach right now because our players are fairly young. But one of the what, what I'm what I'm afraid is gonna happen, and it's one of the things that Avoca did, you know, during his during his time was that he he. What I don't want Osorio to do is to basically increase the player pool and use that as an excuse for bad results. You know what I mean? Because, you know, 
okay, maybe he, you know, we'll start playing more, uh, more little games and stuff like that, and and we, and we may start losing and stuff. You know, even if we're losing these more little games, losing is, you know, losing starts to become contagious, and I, I just, I don't want him to think that, you know, okay, why well, it's we're, we're losing these games because. I gotta check out this guy, and, and I gotta check out this player, and I gotta check out this player. I mean, we're basically starting the World Cup. You know, we're starting the qualifiers, like next month. It's hey, well, you got, I mean, you I mean, so it's not so bad. So I mean, we're starting the World Cup qualifiers. If anything, it should be the reverse, where you're starting to narrow it down to work for your team that's going to be in 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 in, uh, in Russia. And then the conf- you know, confederations cup. So I mean, I I don't I, I wouldn't increase the player pool that bit you know that wide, that amount. I mean, that's just you know my opinion. But what do you guys think? Yeah, you lose you lose cohesion if you have all these different players coming in and you're experimenting when it's time to to you know group together, get used to each other because uh, we're playing these guys are playing in all all over the world in different clubs and everything. Um, the, the timing of his signing, I think, is it's bad. Uh, you know, whenever there's a there's a new coach that comes in or new manager, like uh, when Ugo came in, he you know he called in a bunch of guys. Uh, uh, almost every call up was a, uh, you know, had a like ten new players. <clears throat> so he looked at a lot of players in the league. He he gave uh, Johnny Magallona his debut. He played him in the Gold Cup, and. Uh, you know when uh, when Chepo came in, he did the same thing. He kind of cast a wide net, and I don't see an issue with that specifically. But I think just because now he, he Osorio is expected to step in and dis- deliver results. He's got a what a, a qualifier but, but, next month already. But, but yeah, but Chepo and Ugo did that at day one when you started. A, you know when you started your four, you know, your four year process. Yeah. Osorio, Osorio doesn't have that luxury. He's basically starting the World Cup qualifiers. You know what next month. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, so I mean, he, 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 he should, no, he, he's not going to. I mean, he, and he won't have to. I mean, he's gonna realize. He's he's gonna realize pretty soon that you know, because what the first team, what the first game was against the Wilbers, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, this this is this is gonna. I mean, they're gonna sit back and they're gonna park the bus, and it's gonna get frustrating. Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, I don't think he's gonna have a lot of time to experiment right away. I mean. I mentioned it earlier. I don't think we're going to see a lot of differences in the player pool immediately right away because it doesn't make sense. You don't go into these World Cup qualifiers with the intention of experimenting. And if that's his game plan, we're going to have a new coach in the spring of next year. It's just not <laughs> going to. It's just not going to work. Uh, so I, I don't personally expect any big changes right away. I think that next summer. Depending on this Copa America taking place or not, that's maybe when we'll start seeing some sort of uh, experimentation in that sense. And I, and I also feel, based on his comments today, that any sort of experimentation will probably involve the younger players in the Olympic team first <laughs> before he starts looking at other potential players. Because one thing about Osorio is that he likes working with a core of younger players. He, he made a comment today uh, talking about the, the current player pool, and like you mentioned uh, just recently, Ronnie, it's very young. It's a very young core. I think Guardado is like the oldest one when you look at the core. Everyone he's, still, else, 
Oribe. Yeah. Well, Oribe, I mean, yeah, but Oribe is is the one who's going to probably be making room for a Benedetto or uh, uh, Marco Bueno. I don't, I don't think Lozano is going to be playing as a forward because that's one thing that he also talked about in a press conference today. That is his prefer, his preferred formation is a four three three. Yep. Um, and and instead of using traditional number nines like we saw with Tuca on Saturday as wide forwards, he wants he wants players that are going to beat their player their, their opposing players off the dribble, which means that Lozano fits into that. Uh, Corona, possibly Gio. He mentioned Vela. He mentioned Vela when he said that. I don't know. I don't know about Vela playing that role, to be honest. But uh, I, I don't really see a lot of experimentation right away. And considering the fact that we do have two World Cup qualifiers next month, and we also have two World Cup qualifiers in March against Canada. I don't really see any of that happening right away. It, it, it's all going to really depend. I think that I don't think we're going to have a good idea of what he's really planning on doing until the Confederations Cup two years from now. We're not going to have a good idea of what's going to be happening because you're going to have World Cup qualifiers during that stretch as well. So that's where that's where this idea of the 50 players comes into play because if you look back at Chepo in 2013, the, the Gold Cup, I mean. If we look back, the Gold Cup squad wasn't that bad, I guess. I think the bigger problems with that team was playing Chiefs Favelarde in the midfield. I mean, that was just that was just that was a head scratcher, really. And he and, he all, and then all of a sudden he busted out a four three three during that tournament, which is he hadn't really done that. And then he just puts the players out there and sort of figure it out. But from that <laughs> tournament, we got Miguel Ajun. I mean, which, I, which Gold Cup? Sorry, sorry. The, uh, the 2013 Gold Cup. Oh yeah, he, he did bust out a 4-3-3, dude. We played a 4-3-3, and it opened up That's against Panama at the Rose Bowl. At the Rose Bowl, we went back there Opening two years game. after winning it. P- puts out a 4-3-3, and we got overrun in the midfield by Panama. Chispa Velarde was chasing shadows, man. It was it was really embarrassing. The you wrong catcher was in there. Oh, man. I mean, who else was Jimenez played that? Marco Fabian, uh, La June. Marquez Lugo. Marquez Lugo. Marquez Lugo, coincidentally, Marquez Lugo was the starter for the 2011 Copa America squad with Oribe on the bench. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, uh, that's probably the only black spot on tennis tenure there when he was with the national team. That was just. I don't know why. I don't know. I think Marcus Lugo stopped being a national team caliber player a long time ago. I don't know what they thought they were doing bringing him to the to the Cup America, but he was just he was not. He was just not. I don't know what he was doing. Because he played for Chivas at that time. That's why he was playing well. Wasn't uh, Team Cruyff uh, at Chivas and uh, Marcus Lugo just came off that uh, that great year. Yeah, he did have a good year going into that, but 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 even then, his qualities—he was—I don't see how you. I mean, and it was, it was either him or Omar Bravo. Remember to be called up. Was, Omar Bravo, got, yeah, got called up. He actually subbed into the qualifier at Azteca when we were banging, banging, and banging on the door, and then Chepo throws him out there. It was like, come on, like Omar Bravo. There's nothing more he can get to the national team. Obviously, there's even talk about him going to the national team right now. I just. 
I don't see it. I just don't see it. He's okay. a that, what I remember about that game is uh, it, maybe it's my memory playing tricks on me, but didn't Chad Don't get injured like within the first 20 minutes of the Panama game? Yep, yep. Yes, and he I, did. That's that's uh, what I remember. The second half is he moved, he moved uh, Fabian to a more midfield role, a, 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 you know, central playmaking role, and I think that's probably why they got overrun because freaking Chaton got injured again. Yeah, he brought in he brought in, um, Alejandro Castro off the bench, and him. Castro and, and Chispa Velarde got completely overrun. They were so in over their heads. And and then we tied the game on a very nice, I think it was Israel Jimenez. It was. Chipped it in to Marco Fabian, and he had a lovely finish. But after that, I mean, Panama. And he still them out in the second half, dude. <laughs> oh, just, I have nightmares about that tournament. It was terrible. I had me my head, too. Oh. So... I guess moving on to another topic, we can still talk Osorio if you guys have any more things to go on. But uh, I usually one second on the Mexico Panama game. When I saw the picture, you know, Osorio finally, you know, I mean, I when I, you know, when I saw the picture on, on my on my phone of you know Osorio with the uh, you know Mexican you know jacket and stuff like that, I mean, it was just like no. <laughs> and I was like, no, and I'm like, I kept like in my head, in my head, I just kept thinking of the like the jerky voice of like, God help us, Jesus, God and baby Jesus help us. <laughs> and he, he was sleeping. He was sleeping just uh, just last night. Do you see that picture of him sleeping yeah. during the Mexico Panama game? That needs to be photoshopped. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was sleeping. Honestly, I was sleeping almost during that game too. Yeah, it was a terrible game, man. All right, so uh, what's what's the next subject? Uh, America's 99th birthday? No? I didn't, even know, I didn't even know about that. Team, team, uh, what I heard is uh, Team America including the refs. When you have money, you have money. You know, <laughs> to pay the refs. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they pay the refs. I think the refs are scared. They're like, oh, got to do it, America. Well, there, there's one ref uh, that's making these allegations that uh, that the whole league is scripted. That it's a telev- it's a novella written by Televisa. I've been saying that since like 1950. Yeah, and, you know it's a bad move on his part because they they asked him for proof and then he went quiet right after that. So don't don't talk a big game in Mexico if you can't back it up. No, I mean I was what we were talking about this or or chatting about this. You're still seeing you know the the you know the national team is they're still living off. You know, America's glory moments. You know, of the past couple of years, because what at the game at the Mexico game you had the uh, guys, you had Moy, you had who else? Uh, Jimenez, obviously. Layun. You had Layun. You had a Paul. Aguilar, obviously. Yeah, Aguilar. So. Oh, one think, thing about you, one thing about uh, uh, Paul I, Aguilar. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but wanted to say this real quick. There was a play during the U.S. game, right at the end of the game in regulation time, very similar to the goal where Paul Aguilar decides to rip a shot when he had Chicharito wide open in the middle. And I remember watching, I'm saying, God damn it, man. Like, you wanted to be, you wanted to be a hero. You could have <laughs> just filtered it into the middle. 
And of course, 20 minutes later, he redeemed himself. And I got to tell you, as I was watching that, I was watching that play unfold live. I'm at a bar up here in the Northeast where everyone's watching the Dodgers and the Mets game. There's seven TVs at this bar. Only one of them has a soccer game on. Nobody's watching it but me and some other jerk-off with a U.S. jersey. The moment that Jimenez chipped that ball over his head, I stood up. And I just put my hands up in the air because I, I just had a feeling that the way that his – Paul Aguilar's face, the way – his concentration and the way he was looking at the ball – it's like you know. You just you, knew he was going to catch it lovely, and he caught it lovely. And I, I was, I was so shade. I jumped. I mean, I think I don't know. I don't understand when I screamed. I, I, People no, I, were looking at me. I was like, I'm sorry. I was, I was so disappointed in his celebration, you know, because he has usually some of the most ugliest celebrations. <laughs> you know, I was hoping he'd do one of those, you know, but like, yeah, no, that, he just, that crippled leg one, that was that's the awesomest one. <laughs> I love the celebration. He just he didn't know what to do. He just like screw it, I'm gonna just break my own neck on this billboard here. Yeah. Why uh, not? Yeah. That's a Good weird ass celebration, man. <laughs> <laughs> Normally he does that that, that that little dance where he's got this huge uh, huge balls oh, right he that would have been <laughs> That would have been it. That would have been. That was. If there was ever a time to do that, other than a than a Chivas America game, that was it. Yeah, that was a lost opportunity right there. That would have been. That would have capped off the night right there. Hey, I saw your video, uh, cheekies, of uh, you know, <laughs> over there at your uh, at the game. So I, I saw that you ran into uh, Tuiso, and who else did you run into from the big soccer crew? Uh, Joel gave me a ride to, uh, to Pasadena, uh -huh. then we were finding parking, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Oh, I met, I met up with, uh, well, I saw Cesar walking around, I saw Sergio, uh, Tristan from Pancho Villa's Army, uh -huh. the founder, met him, talked to him a little bit, that was it, that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. But yeah. did Big Soccer not do a, uh, did Big Soccer not do a, uh, a party? No, I don't. I don't think they do anything, really. It's just every band for themselves. The uh, the pachanga group, you mean, or the or the actual? No, the, yeah, like didn't they used to have like a pachanga group? Yeah, you know, that's gone. They're shady, man. It, it's like really elite now. You gotta, it's it's like hush hush. They don't they don't talk about it anymore. I don't know what happened. It's yeah. fight, man. It's just, there's nobody getting together to organize it. That's Where's really what it is. Like, everybody just went on their own. Like, me, I didn't even go. <laughs> but, like, you know, um, that, that was re that's really what it is now is that it's mostly just just everybody on their own. Get there however you can. Yeah. Because oh. Joel wants to talk Olympic squad. Yes. Okay. Or the Olympic team. I saw, I saw that one goal. I think it was the second goal where he just, I think he shoots it with his right or, or left. And that thing just curves and, and totally yeah. messes up that goalie. That was awesome. I yeah, that was, scored that. Yeah, that was a good last one. No, I kept. Uh, I was reading uh, what is it? Uh, the the Honduran newspaper. Yes. You know, I, for some sure. reason, I, I, I don't know. I, I kept you know reading that throughout the week and stuff like that. You know, because uh, for some reason, I don't know why, I'm just drawn to that paper. 
you know, reading the what the Washington oh, yeah, Post says. Sensationalist. Yeah, especially you know, reading what the the Raya has to say. You know that. Uh, wow, that guy. Yeah, that, <laughs> that guy. That still around. He's still around, dude. Oh, he's, he's so feminine. I love it. Yeah. My favorite part was when uh, was when Jose Ramon was calling him Hector uh, uh, Huerta's brother or lookalike or something like you know dogging on Hector Huerta. <laughs> Poor Hector Huerta, man, they were dogging him like no other. <laughs> so, do you guys think? Uh, do you think uh, Mexico has the uh, the juice to uh, to repeat the uh, the gold? I don't know. If you look at the field. I think the field this time is a little bit, a little bit tougher. Um, there's, there's a couple more European teams. Denmark is in it, um, and they have a, they have a pretty decent uh, uh, under twenty three team. So does Portugal. Um, so I think it's going to be tough. I don't, I don't know necessarily if we're going to win again, but I do agree with, you know. Uh, Yayo de la Torre has been saying for the entire tournament that this team is much better than the last team. Um, I wasn't sure I agreed with him, to be honest. But I feel like the addition of, of Pizarro and Eric Aguirre as the fullbacks has really, really done a good, good number on his team. They've been extremely solid. I mean, they have been really – this is probably the best tournament – that this team has played because the Pan American games were so so. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys watched those games. It was the the performances were very they were just laboring and and the, Mexico was grinding down games and winning them kind of but not really very convincingly. That was that's where they lost to Uruguay in the Uruguay final. Right? final. It, yeah. Beat them in the in the group stages and then lost in, in the final, which was a pretty decent game. Uh, but I think the, the addition of, of the two fullbacks, because in that tournament we used Edgardo Marin as a fullback, and he just didn't really cut it. He didn't really cut it. Pizarro, for me, has been the best player for this for Mexico for this tournament. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that has been kind of iffy about this team is, you know, I'm – you know, Google. You know, Google Torres. He's been on the national team before, and he just. It, it seems to me that on the at the national team level, at least at the senior national team level, it just seems like he just. I don't think he's gonna cut it. I don't think he has the size. I don't think he has you know the the strength. Um, for some reason, he's doing. I guess he's from what I'm told, he's doing pretty well in, in MLS, and that kind of surprised me because you know MLS is a more physical. Uh, uh, league, but, but it's uh, well, true. It, it, yeah, um, well, technically, well, the MLS is actually faster because because it's more vertical. But as far as the you know, Mexican league it is faster in the sense of the of the passing. You know, yep. so I mean, there comes a point where in certain sectors of the field, the game's a lot faster in Mexico because because of the uh, of the you know the, the technical passing of. But uh, I don't know. I think you know, uh, in Potro, he's been his, he, he's been doing really well as a coach at the youth level. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, they do well. You know, I, I'm surprised uh, that you said Pizarro was uh, was uh, has been the best. I thought Lozano, dude, when uh, every time he comes in as a sub, he's he's just freaking too dynamic. 
to create ha- havoc for the you know he breaks down those those defenses that uh. He does. He he has. He's 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 offensively. He's our best player. Um, but I, I also feel like he he's his execution has been kind of off. Like I mean, he he gets in or he dribbles by drive past players, but then he does one extra play or he or he takes an extra touch and he doesn't always complete the plays. And the reason I say Pizarro has been the best player is because. Him with him, he plays. He's playing as a left back. Like I, I didn't think I was gonna see that. And by playing as a left back, it it allows the team to sort of mold into this like three four three formation, and then it just speeds up the transition because Pizarro. I watch every single game, and I, I and 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 I'm gonna tell you this. I think I saw him lose the ball at most throughout all these games twice. And I mean that. I mean twice. I don't, it was never more than three times, three or four times throughout the entire tournament that he lost the ball. But but his presence and his ability to really dribble out of trouble and really just get the ball out of his feet cleanly, that's what allows uh, you know Guti and, 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 and Dedos and all the other guys to get involved and, and really transition a lot quicker. We didn't see that from both those teams in the past because – you know, Abeja and and um, and he used Van Rankin as a as a fullback. Those guys don't have that ability. And I think I, out of this Olympic team, a lot of players have the potential to be full national team players. None more so, in my opinion, than Pizarro, Salcedo, and Lozano. And, and, I, and, I, and, and I stick by what I said because I think Pizarro was the best Mexican player in the whole tournament. Not De- uh, you don't think Dedos is great? Dedos kind of plateaued a little bit during the tournament. Once the space is closed down, the other option was to take out Aguirre and slide Dedos back, which he never did. He he kept him strictly in the midfield, and when he wasn't finding a rhythm in the space, he would simply sub him out for uh, Daniel Alvarez from Atlas or, or, or whatever. So... No, I think Dedos has what it takes right now to challenge Paul Aguilar. And actually, I think that Osorio is going to probably make that one of his first moves. But, but but as far as, like, full national team careers, Pizarro is a guy that came up through Pachuca, no national team experience. I mean, he didn't even go, I don't, he didn't even go to the Under-20 World Cup in the summer. He did not go, which I think was a huge mistake. He did not go, but... He's a player that is, he can play in the midfield. Right now he's playing in the midfield for Pachuca. He's playing as an interior. He can play as a right back. Obviously now he can play as a left back. He can play as a, as a wide midfielder. We don't have a lot of players that can do that. And that, that alone, that ability alone, coupled with what Osorio wants from his players, is one of the reasons why I think he's going to have a, a much, much more stable and higher future with the national team than most of the other guys. Your three um, uh, overage players. Who do you guys got? That <laughs> <laughs> that hard, man. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste it on on a goalkeeper. Um, in fact, I I wouldn't waste it on a goalkeeper. Uh, I think I don't know. Maybe is Jurgen Dam uh, older, or is he is he within the age limit? Uh, he's older. He misses the cutoff by, I think, a year. I think for sure a center forward. 
Yeah, definitely a forward. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's Chicharito. Maybe I think Jimenez would probably complement this group a little better. But there, uh, but those overage players, uh, is uh, I don't think they don't have to accept the call up, or the clubs cannot release them, right? No, they have to because the Olympics are now on the FIFA calendar. Oh, nice. Since okay. 2012, they are after what Messi did in 2008, where he was like pretty much like screw it, I'm going, and Barcelona threw a fit. FIFA put the Olympics on the calendar for uh, 2012 and, and going forward. Uh, essentially, it is the under 23 World Cup. That's what it is. But Chicharito barked at 2012, so maybe well, Ferguson. Uh, apparently, Ferguson made a deal with him where where he wanted him to rest. Uh, so it's 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 iffy. To this day, we don't really know what happened there. I mean, some people say Chicharito turned it down. Other people said that Ferguson didn't let him go, or kind of bargained for him to stay. At the end of the day, I don't think we can complain because you know everything everything worked out for us. Uh, as far as the, 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 the reinforcements, I'm thinking it's going to be Tonio Rodriguez, despite the fact that both Lahoud, you have Lahoud, you have Jesse Gonzalez, you have uh, obviously Guilinho, but I think it's going to be Tonio Rodriguez or Talavera, one or the other. Uh, Miguel Ayun and Chicharito are going to be the, the, the three, the three uh, overage players, in my opinion. I'm hoping for a Mexico uh, Brazil rematch again, huh? That'd be amazing. Sweet. In yes. Brazil? Yeah, I mean, think about it. You win, you win the gold in, in, at Wembley, and then it'd be pretty cool if you win the, the gold at uh, Maracanã. Oh, that would be amazing for sure. Seven to one. You see, you see uh, Chaco Jimenez's son, like, ripping it up in Cruz Azul or something? Some lower level divisions. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, he just got he got injured recently. Uh, uh, Chaco Jimenez. I think he broke his uh, clavicle. No, his son. His son. Yeah, no. like a, oh, yeah. Yeah, his son. Uh, he plays in the yeah Cruz Azul's uh, youth. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he messed up his uh, his clavicle a couple a couple weeks back. All right, man. We got we hit the hour mark. You guys have any last controversial uh, comments? Well, all I. I wanted to uh, throw out my three uh, players that I wanted for the Olympic pick. It was uh, El Gallito Vasquez. I think he would be a great addition. And Peralta, you know, he, he came through last time, saying the savior again. And the last one, I will probably uh, I'll probably get a defender, but I don't know who would uh, who'd be on that role. I don't, like, if you, if it's FIFA calendar, I would send in, you know, another gold, gold medalist champion and send in Diego Reyes in there. Yeah, maybe a good captain. Yeah. So, question, question, question for you guys: uh, Does Osorio make it all the way to uh, to Russia? I say yes. Wait, as as in general, or? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll go either way. I'm sure he'll pay for his own ticket if he has to. But but I do think he makes it with the national team. Chickies. I think I think he might he might, he probably could if it's all up to the players if they if they don't end up losing to like uh, Panama and yeah or or so, somewhere in Mexico if they lose to to you know one of those teams in in Mexico and they start getting close to you know barely getting by then some what? issues might happen. Uh, I think it's up in the air, man. It's a fifty-fifty to me. Um, it's too early to tell. 
I, I, I don't. I personally don't think he'll make it, but I, it's truly to tell. Alrighty, good, uh, good hour-long discussion. Thanks everyone for coming on. Good talk. Uh, we'll see what we'll see what goes on this weekend on uh, Liga MX. Yeah, Christian, was that a red T-shirt the whole time over the camera? No, it's just my lighter. Your lighter? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, just you can, what? You can disable what? the the thing too. No, yeah, I was gonna say. I'm, no, I'm using I'm using um some weird app on my tablet and I couldn't figure it out. I'm not gonna okay. lie. Yeah, yeah. But but as a as a parting thought, I just want to say that um, uh, el fútbol es nuestro y como siempre viva México, cabrones. Vámonos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, and whoever's for the two viewers that are listening right now and whoever listens on iTunes. You can follow hey at soccerconical.com. Wanted to show this picture real quick. Uh, Colima made this for everybody right there here. That looks like Osvaldo Sanchez, sort of. That's actually um, a Pablo Aguilar. Yeah. <laughs> well done, well done. <laughs> wasting ink on that black and white printer, man. <laughs> it's okay, man. It's laser printer. It's all good. <laughs> Make that your avatar, dude, for the chat. It already is, but I don't know why it wouldn't show. I don't know why. It does show when you talk. It shows. Oh, when you talk. oh okay. Good. It shows yeah. your face. Brian shows your picture. I know. I I, I, I logged out, and I'm like, I don't want to see this crap. You know, you know what? You remind me of uh, Saddam Hussein with that mustache, dude. <laughs> nice. He was is a that, player. Is Joel? Is he just listening, or is he participating? He's at work like, listening. He, he's just listening. He's chatting a little bit, but yeah, he's just listening. Yeah, okay, all right. You can send him a parting thought too if you want. Yeah, he's he's making mole with uh with peanut butter. Oh, <laughs> or salsa. Um, all right, guys. Shit. All right, guys. I'll stop. I'm stopping the broadcast. See you guys next week. See you next week. See.